This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Do you remember the old uh, David Letterman segment, Stupid Pet Tricks? Essentially, he would do it on various incarnations of his late night show, both on NBC and on CBS. And it would be uh, a place where he would have uh, humans take their pets and have them do silly stunts. Uh, Pretty much that's how it was. Well, now it is going to be a full-fledged television show. So Stupid Pet Tricks is going to be a full-fledged show debuting February 11th on TBS. And uh, it's also going to be on Animal Planet and True TV. It was very rare that you... or And Discovery. So the debut on February 11th is actually going to be on four different... Networks, which is wild. So it tells you that that Turner Broadcasting Group is doing a full push behind getting people to watch this show, Stupid Pet Tricks. It's a reimagining of the iconic David Letterman segment. It's a half-hour variety show that TBS claims in their press release retains all the original charm, the silly fun, and appreciation for the bond between humans and their animal friends. Now, I can kind of dig that. Here's a commercial for the uh, Stupid Petrix show on TBS. Is everything going the way you want it with the show? The show. Oh, Stupid Petrix. Incredible. Sarah Silverman hosts Stupid Petrix. Premieres February 11th on TBS. So Sarah Silverman is going to be the host, and it's being billed as you're going to see pets performing ridiculous and extraordinary tricks. There are stars including John Hamm, Will Ferrell, Judd Apatow, Howie Mandel, David Letterman himself, who I think is the, the producer of this, or at least a producer. Even he is expected to be on the show. You heard his voice there. And there's all sorts of tricks they're going to do. You're going to have uh, a horse who gets water from the refrigerator. So what will you and Patches do tonight, Bob? Oh, we'll probably go to the refrigerator and get a drink. Maybe Chris Mild. Uh-huh. The horse will go to the refrigerator and get a drink. We hope so. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I'd pay to see that. There we go. Okay. Right here. Right here. All right. So uh, that was actually from the David Letterman incarnation of this segment, not the new show. And what they say is, that viewers at home will get the chance to have their own pets featured on air each week by posting a video of their trick using the hashtag MyStupidPetTrick. Kind of like the pet version of America's Funniest Home Videos. TBS is also going to embark on the Stupid Pet Tricks tour. Um, The multi-city tour is going to travel across the country giving pets and their owners the opportunity to showcase their hashtag MyStupidPetTrick on the pink carpet. 
strike a pose in a variety of pet-friendly photo moments, and receive special giveaways. So now, look, I'm an animal lover. I, uh, I've always been quite fond of animals, and I like seeing a photo of an animal as much as the next guy. But I am a little concerned about the aspect of this that they've inserted, asking viewers to send in their own stupid pet tricks. Because I'll tell you what my concern is. You're going to have dog, cat, lizard, rabbit, and pig owners trying to make their pets do stupid tricks that they don't want to do and get hurt in the process just so uh, these people can be on television. And I have some real concerns. So anyway, I was reading the uh, New York Daily News over the weekend, and a reader... I don't have the readers. Okay. Um, Gene Turkheimer from World Animal Protection U.S., she made me even more concerned after I read her letter to the editor. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it it basically says a lot of the things that I just said, just explaining the show. Ms. Turkheimer says, Animals do not exist for our amusement, and the trade of wild animals in particular is fraught with suffering. Trailers show a macaw moving across the floor with plastic rollers strapped to its feet, a lizard popping bubbles, and a fox-like animal on a tight leash jumping for food. Ms. Turkheimer writes, Wild animals don't belong on the stage or in our homes. The global wildlife trade is driving the extinction of countless species. Each year, millions of animals are captured from their natural habitats or bred in captivity just to be shipped around the world and sold online or in stores as pets, like accessories. Many animals suffocate and die in transit before they even reach these pet stores. Concerns over animal cruelty brought down Ringling Brothers seven years ago after people learned the terrible truth about the suffering that elephants and tigers endure under the big top. Today, eight states and 177 cities and counties have banned or restricted the use of wild animals in traveling shows. She writes, Stupid Petrix is peddling the same kind of cruelty, just dressed up differently. Wild animals are not entertainers. We urge TBS to take note from the dozens of circuses that have dropped animal acts and get out of the animal exploitation business, too. After reading that, she had me totally convinced. So I am curious, and look, I say this as somebody that used to watch Letterman once in a while, and I would enjoy that segment from time to time, the Stupid Patrick segment, but honestly, I never really gave it much thought. But now that you've heard, what Gene Turkheimer has to say, and now that you know what they're doing with this stupid pet tricks show, do you think this is appropriate, or is it animal exploitation at the very least? My concern, even before reading that letter to the editor, was that it would lead to accidents. You know, is these owners who are desperate to get their little fluffy or Rex on TV, and they would make him do something that would get him or her hurt? And I didn't like that at all. But after reading her letter here, I'm starting to think that maybe any of these shows involving wild animals just is not a good idea. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That is 800-848-9222. Stupid Petrix, 
just plain old harmless fun? Or is there something more sinister here? Is there something that will lead to someone getting hurt? Let me know. 800-848-9222. All right. Uh, before the show gets away from us, by the way, we're going to talk with Ambassador Peter Ford. He's going to join us from across the pond in the UK and uh, give us an idea of what's happening with the Hooties. Uh, I do want to give a, uh, I, I want to name this week's Listener of the Week. A little bit of a, a drum roll, please, if we can, Tony. This was a uh, a tough one because there's a lot of people that almost came to, uh, that, that did it here. All right. I am going to give a, the, this week's Listener of the Week award to Robert Rossi. Robert Rossi, a.k.a. Bob R. He emails me two, three, four day, times a week, always with something interesting, always with a great guest suggestion, a great topic suggestion, great feedback on uh, something that I was uh, I was doing, and he's got a ton of great ideas, and the emails are always very well written, and they're very kind. And unfortunately, Bob's wife passed away, and uh, I had agreed as an, an a, 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 a official with the Universal Life Church that I would preside over her memorial in Cape May, New Jersey. But ultimately, they chose to go in a different direction. But uh, he and his wife, Joanne, used to listen to this show together for uh, as long as we've been on. And then, unfortunately, she passed away. But Bob continues to listen, and he is uh, just a great guy and a great listener who gives me a ton of feedback. He sent me a great question just yesterday that we're going to include on um, Tuesday's edition of The Mail because he really is uh, just an interesting guy. So congratulations, Bob. You are this week's Listener of the Week. As such, you get to pick the music, at least a good portion of it, that we play on the radio tomorrow. So if you'd like, you can uh, email me at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com and uh, you can um, send me your song selections. We'll try to play as many as we can. All right. Before we get to Ambassador Peter Ford, let me try and get to as many of your calls as we can here. Let me begin with Jimmy. Jimmy, what's on your mind? Hi, Frank. This is Jimmy. You still owe me a pen from when I met you at the Next time I see you, my friend. Next time I see you. All right. Uh, Frank, uh, first of all, let me just give you a couple of seconds. I don't like when they refer to stupid animal tricks. I know some animals that are more intelligent than people, but you're going to rest assured, I'll be rest assured that people will be definitely working their animals to the end degree and exhausting them and hurting them just to have their five minutes of fame on television. Mm -hmm. Animals are family, and I've told you, I lost my little kitty cat after 15 years of having her, and my heart is still broken. So animals should be treated like family, especially wild animals. They don't belong in apartments, houses, or on television shows. And I commend you 
for holding this up on your show. And I love you, Frank. Now, um, well, I appreciate that, Jimmy. And thank you for listening and your stewardship and your patronage of the show. But do you think that people, if you care about um, animals and things like that, do you think people should avoid watching this show once it debuts next month? Honestly, in my heart of hearts, yes. Boycott it, in a sense, because it's like watching a snuff film. In a sense, in a sense, understand where I'm coming from. It's not appropriate, nor would I ever watch something that's so vulgar. And it it hurts me to see the animals being stressed. And I remember when those elephants, as you mentioned, were beaten with crowbars to do the right thing and in chains and shackles. That's terrible. Why not bring an elephant on and saw their tusks off on stage? Would people watch that? Fair point, Jimmy. Fair point. Uh, Thank you very much. 800-848-9222. Look, I don't think it's like a snuff film uh, because, you know, a snuff film involves people dying, right, on on camera. So I I don't think it's the same. I get what he means, though, right? I mean, you're watching, you're deriving, you know, you're getting entertainment from people being, you know, from animals being exploited. And, again, my big concern was always the the aspect of this encouraging people to you know to participate from from home so that was always my beef with this 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 chris is in the catskills hey there chris good morning frank morning uh i would give anything uh, a chance to watch that sarah silverman is hosting i i've always been a big fan of hers and uh, I, I do agree with the aspect you're bringing up about the exploitation of animals and people wanting their 15 minutes of fame to be on television. Uh, I think that's uh, you're definitely onto something with that aspect of it. In terms of the comp, the uh, discussion about growth hormones causing early puberty, I was doing a quick internet search. It was actually a study that's in a, a peer-reviewed medical journal article from 2011 where there's a, a Pfizer uh, growth uh, hormone medication, I guess, for uh, children with stunted growth. And they, they did ex- supposedly extensive testing and checked uh, blood serum levels every six months with a control group that wasn't receiving the medication. And they found uh, no correlation. Uh, however, it could be different types of growth hormones that are used in meats, uh, there's studies that said an overly high protein diet at a young age can cause the onset of early puberty. Huh. Uh, in the in the in the research, it came up that the United States is one of the only countries in Australia that allow growth hormones in our meat products. It's banned in Europe and Canada. You know, there are so many foods, and that's a a great point, Chris. There are so many foods that we can buy in the United States that are just prohibited in the EU or in Canada. You know, in our our family, we try to always buy, when we'll have salmon, wild uh, salmon rather than farm salmon, farm-raised salmon, because it's a very different situation. But sometimes my dad and stepmother, they'll entertain for a lot of people, 20, 30, 40 people. So you're not going to buy 30 wild salmon fillets because it's just so cost prohibitive. So what they do, if if they're serving so many that they don't want to go the wild route, they'll go and look for EU 
farm-raised salmon because apparently the regulations regarding even farm-raised fish in the EU is uh, much more stringent in terms of not allowing all this junk that we allow in the United States into our fish than it is in the United States. So that's an interesting point, Chris. Thanks for pointing that out. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Norman is in Brooklyn. Hello, Norman. Good morning, Frank. Morning, um, I, Frank. I agree with you on the. I agree with you on the stupid uh, animal uh, human trick, whatever the animal tricks, uh, for people not sending in segments. But I, I don't have a problem as long as they're vetted. That uh, you know they're they're not hurting the animal. It's the it's the trick is innocent enough that uh, they have a television show to that degree, and that is because I used to have a pet duck. His name was Irving, and I used to have a, a stupid uh, pet trick. Uh, when I was a kid, um, Irving was a domestic duck, you know, the white kind. He lived in my backyard. My mother took very good care of him, better than me. And uh, when I, I was, uh, he would sit on my lap, and we would sing a little ditty together. I would sing, Irving, Irving, Irving the duck is good for soup. And he would quack along with me. Um, and uh, I noticed when I would tap on his belly when we would do the song he would sing only when i would tap on his belly and now in retrospect he was burping but uh, uh because i was giving him gas but I, I wasn't really hurting him but he would sing along with me all right well so you think uh, that the show is fine it's fine if you have people mm-hmm. like or pets like your duck that have an interest in performing like irving but the aspect that i was first concerned about the soliciting viewer feedback and getting people to make their own videos that could potentially lead to something yeah, yeah, nefarious yeah i agree with you on that okay well i like that norman that's a very reasonable position when how old was uh, irving when he passed away Oh, sorry, we lost you there, Norman. Uh, try again. Norman, how old was uh, Irving when he passed away? What, Frank? How old what? How old was Irving when he passed away? Oh, he lived the full life of a duck, which which ain't long. I don't know. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second here. Irving well, got stolen. Oh, he got Irving stolen. Was stolen. It was my second duck that lived a long life. Irving was stolen horribly, Frank, around Thanksgiving. What? He was duck-napped? Uh, he was duck napped by uh, some hungry neighbor. You kidding? Well, how did they get him? Uh, it was in my backyard. We had uh, chicken wire, like uh, chicken wire, um, like enclosures, and some jerk of a na- of a neighbor or uh, some lunatic stole him. It was quite traumatic. I remember when I was a kid, you know, and that's when that that led us to our next duck. His name was Mister Duck. Mister oh. Duck wasn't singing. He didn't. Mr. Duck didn't play that. There was no, uh, there was no, uh, you know, the stupid pet trick with Mr. Duck. My goodness, that is wild. All right, Norman, I'm sorry to hear about Irving, but, um, you know, I, I appreciate the perspective. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Boy, can you imagine somebody would steal a duck on Thanksgiving? I mean, I don't know, was it a starving family? They couldn't afford a turkey or something, and they wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to serve a duck? I don't know. 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Larry, what do you think about this? Yes, right. You know, I think the whole thing is you, you didn't, uh, you, you, you weren't old enough to remember David Letterman. What, what are you talking about? David Letterman was, retired uh, eight, eight years ago. I was on the radio when he retired. No, I'm talking about his stupid Patrick. Did you see them? Yes, many times, many times. 
Okay, 90% of them was dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a big difference here because dogs are domesticated animals. They're bred. It's in their genes. They want to please the master. No matter how much you train a dog to do any trick, it's not abusing the dog. But when you schlep a wild animal, mm. his incentive is not going to be to please the master. It's going to be for his survival because he's not bred to do these things. So just like the duck that was forced to emit gas that we just heard, these wild animals are going to be forced to do things for, for crazy reasons. Now, as far as the horse goes, that's a quirky thing. You know, horses stick their noses and everything. That's like they got big heads, you know. So that's not exploitation, you know. And so those things were kosher, but but uh, you got to know where the line has to be drawn between wild animals. So I think this woman has a very good point. Yeah, so that's the that's the issue. A dog trick is fine. Wild animal, not fine. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's reasonable as well. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe there is a way to do this show responsibly. 800-848-9222. Corey is in the Queens. Hi, Corey. Hi, there. You know, I get the literature from the World Animal Protection, and they have a sanctuary in India for form of dancing bears, that these poor little cub bears were brought up, chained and beaten, and everything just oh. to be dancing and sent places just to show off. And now they have the sanctuary in India for World Animal Protection that rescues these bears and gives them a good, happy life. And I am very, very, very against any of this training and torturing of wild animals to train them to just entertain people. It's a crime. And I think that this, I'm very glad that you're taking on this onto the radio and making people aware. Well, thank you, Corey. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, look, like I said, I'm trying to uh, approach this from an open mind, right? I mean, maybe the point that uh, Larry makes is a good one, that if a dog... Uh, can do some fun tricks like in a dog show and he could jump around and he can, you know, uh, my friend George had a dachshund that would do this cool little thing where he would run around the house balancing a, a ball on his nose. It was really kind of fun and the dog seemed to really enjoy it. But I, um, I think there is a difference between you doing that and incorporating things like a macaw with rollers, plastic rollers on their feet and things along those lines. I, I kind of do think, not kind of, I do think wild animals should not be prohibited, should not be permitted to be in this sort of thing. I think it's another thing. I, th- I think Larry and Norman both raised some some good points. 800-848-9222. But again, I come at this from where I was at the beginning, which is having people submit videos of their stupid pet tricks with all the dopes that are out there trying to get famous on social media and all the dopes that are out there trying to get on television, I think it's going to lead to some animals accidentally getting hurt. I really do. And I'm concerned about that. And I wish they would not include that aspect of this. Uh, 800-848-9222. Lizette is on Long Island. Hi, Lizette. Hi there. I want to thank you for your show. Thank I you. Very often, and it gets me through some tough times at night. That's... I get my work done. I enjoy your program. Thank you. That's I'm, very kind. I'm standing up for your thoughts about the circus. Uh, my daughter worked in the largest traveling circus about 30 years ago, Carson Barnes that traveled all over the Midwest. 
And she told me, and they had 30 elephants at the time, and she rode the elephants. She said all the animals were treated like family. They were treated very, very well. So I personally am missing the circus, and I think a lot of children that never get to go on safaris with their families are missing something too. They they were wonderful shows, and the animals in within the circus that she worked in were not mistreated. They were treated like family. Well, I'm happy to hear that, uh, Lizette. So, uh, what do you think about this show? Is this the kind of show that you think people that you would watch? I'm not really sure. I missed the beginning of your program. I think that if if people have family pets that they enjoy doing these things with, I I can't think of them being hurt. All right. Well, thank you, Lizette. I hope you're right. I really do. Denise is on Long Island. Uh, Denise, what do you think? Hi, Frank. I'm an animal lover, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that you brought this topic up. Sure. I'm against it. I'm in agreement with you. I think an animal should be treated as part of your family. I think you should bond with your animal. And I don't think that you should exploit your animal to get your, you know, five minutes of fame on TV. I'm against it. Now, I have to think, Denise, that with all these celebrities that are going to be participating in this show, John Hamm and uh, everyone else that I mentioned, that they're going to take pains to make sure that any pets that they're involved with on the show are not harmed. I still, though, wonder is if they do feature a wild animal, is that going to lead to uh, a popularization of people wanting that wild animal as a pet, which I think leads to negative things. And when they're asking people to submit these videos on social media, is that going to lead to unforeseen circumstances? Now, I, if you listen to this program, and it sounds like you do, Denise, I'm not one of these guys that engages in worst first thinking. I don't think of the worst scenario that could happen when a 10-year-old goes to a sleepover or something. But I'm not trying to be alarmist here when you talk about all the irresponsible people out there and the the propensity that so many of them have had for things like dog fighting and other things. And if somebody can be famous or what they perceive to be famous by getting their pet to do something, I don't know, that they perceive to be funny, I think a lot of animals are going to be hurt here. And I, I think it's really a cause for concern. I agree with you 100 percent. And, I mean, I think the majority of people will probably disagree because I think there's a lot of people out there that, I mean, they're going to try to make their pet do something that is not natural for the pet to do to begin with. Right, yeah. I mean, I just, I I just, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I've had pets throughout my entire life. And I, even as a youngster, first of all, I never liked going to the circus. I didn't want to see an animal do something that was unnatural for it to do for the enjoyment of me watching it. I never enjoyed that. So I would certainly not engage in trying to promote my animal, whatever it may be, 
to do something that was not natural for it to be. I mean, you have cats in your house. I know you're a dog lover. I know about your, your wife and her commitment to your animals. And I don't think she would be in favor of this either. Yeah, I, I I haven't talked about it with her yet, but I tend to think you're right. Denise, thank you. All right, we're going to go live to the U.K. in a moment to talk with Ambassador Peter Ford. Ambassador Peter Ford is an incredibly experienced diplomat and policymaker, particularly as it relates to this Middle East situation. Now, it's looking like this what started as this war between Israel and Gaza has expanded. And now you have the U.S. attacking the Houthis in Yemen regularly. What could go wrong? How about everything? We'll get into it with Ambassador Ford straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Thirty-five minutes after the hour, yesterday it was reported that the U.S. and this coalition of the willing—we'll find out how willing and how broad this coalition is in just a moment—carried out additional strikes against Houthi positions in Yemen. They carried out these uh, preemptive strikes on these Houthi positions in Yemen, destroying four anti-ship ballistic missiles that the rebels were ready to launch. That's according to five U.S. officials. The Tuesday attacks were on a much smaller scale and dynamic in nature, meaning they were not pre-planned and rather taken in what defense officials described as self-defense against missiles that presented an imminent threat to international shipping. That being said, the overwhelming number of people that I have encountered over the course of the last week either don't know, I'm I'm not exaggerating here, they either don't know that we're currently lobbing missiles into Yemen, a country that never attacked us, or if they do, they have no idea why or who the Houthis are. When I've stopped friends, neighbors, even family members and asked them, hey, what are we doing in Yemen? The most informed answer that I've gotten is 
Well, it has something to do with Israel. And that's true. So we want to get a little insight on this uh, from someone who has been an incredibly experienced diplomat and uh, foreign policy expert for many years. Uh, Ambassador Peter Ford was the former British ambassador to both Bahrain and Syria, and he's the co-chairman of the Syrian-British Consortium. And just last month, he was elected as one of the deputy leaders of the Workers' Party of Britain. Ambassador, it's nice to talk with you again. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Frank. It's great to be with you and all the other night hawks out there. Although in the UK, it's uh, the, the start of the morning, right? You guys are just getting ready for uh, breakfast over there. Uh, that's right. It's uh, 8.40 here. Outstanding. All right. Um, by the way, the, just so people understand your perspective and where you might be coming from ideologically, I mentioned that you were elected as one of the deputy leaders of the Workers, Workers, Workers Party of Britain. Are people to understand that that is a left-wing party? Generally, when we hear workers in the title, that's a left-wing rather than a right-wing party. Is that kind of where you come from? Uh, yeah, that would be fair, but we're uh, we're socially conservative. Uh, we don't run a mile. We don't freak out when we hear the name of Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> we we converge in some areas with the Donald, like he wanted to get out of Syria but wasn't allowed by the deep state. Um, but we're we're very much uh, against um, unnecessary wars. And we're against what's going on with with Yemen. Um, And we're, I have to be honest, we're very critical of Israel. And we think the best way to end the current crisis is is for Israel. It's for an immediate ceasefire. Uh, Well, so I want to talk to you primarily about the Yemen situation. But since you bring up Israel and since, you know, the situation in Israel is inexorably tied to the situation in Yemen. And since you mentioned your support of of an immediate ceasefire, Repeatedly, when I've um, had people say this, a lot of people will say to whomever calls for the ceasefire, what should Israel have done in the aftermath of October 7th? Didn't they have uh, not only a right, but an obligation to go after the terrorists in the form of Hamas that carried out this horrific attack? What should Israel have done? if it doesn't involve, you know, going in there and doing what they're doing? Uh, yeah, some punitive bombing, uh, punish, uh, if that is, is felt necessary, but not to go wading in, uh, killing babies, women, left, right, and center, when that is not going to work. This is the key thing. What works, what, what would have worked would have been guarding the borders better in the first place. And, and this is the first thing that, that needs to happen that in the future. Mm. Israel needs to fully agree Israel has the right to defend itself. But it wasn't defending itself. That is the whole point. It was failing to defend itself. That is why October 7 happened, because Israel let its guard down, and hopefully it's learned the lesson now, and this kind of thing won't happen again, because they will guard, they will defend themselves 
better. But you don't do that by slaughtering civilians and getting the whole world on your back. Well, you know, I... um you know, I think it's inexcusable what the Netanyahu government did in terms of, especially when there was knowledge that Hamas was planning an attack exactly like this to uh, allow this to happen. But in terms of where we are now, a lot of the folks uh, that listen to this program, they bristle at that criticism of what you just described as Israel killing babies and uh, bombing civilians because they'll point out that uh, Israel is uh, is providing aid to a lot of these folks. They're taking pains to uh, minimize uh, the uh, casualties to uh, women and children. And if there are hospitals, for instance, that are being attacked... These folks will point out that a lot of times that's because Hamas is using these hospitals as a base of operations. One person I spoke to even pointed out that, you know, uh, they brought incubators into a hospital that they were invading. What other invasion force in the world today is bringing incubators to a hostile uh, territory? What do you say to those folks that believe that the way Israel is doing this is actually remarkably humane, given the circumstances? Well, my God, it, it being humane uh, means uh, killing, maiming, injuring, making orphans of 100,000 uh, humans. Well, um, words fail me. Uh, there's a lot of PR uh, hooey there and the incubators, all that nonsense. Um, but, uh, Frank, the important thing is uh, to make Israel safe and the Palestinians safe in the future and what's happening now is not going mm-hmm. to make Israel safer. It, it is, in military terms, it, it is not going to work. Um, Hamas are still there. Uh, if, if Israel had had any major military successes, like taking out leadership, we'd have heard about it. We haven't heard about it. It is not working, and it's not going to work. Um, they need to back off. Um, improve their their defenses and get on with with life. Um, Everybody is paying an enormous price, including uh, Israel. A quarter of a million people can't go back to their homes. Uh, This is not going to stop Mm. until Israel backs off. Simple as that. Talking with Ambassador Peter Ford, former British ambassador to Bahrain and Syria. All right, uh, let's talk about the U.S. and U.K. operation against the Houthis in Yemen. As as simple as you can explain it, who are the Houthis and why are both of our governments attacking them right now? The Houthis are a rebel group in Yemen. Actually, they they won. They're now the de facto government of Yemen. They control areas where over 70% of the population live, including the capital, uh, Sana'a. Effectively, they're they're the real uh, government uh, of Yemen, uh, not the stooges uh, that we're seeing this week uh, parading in Switzerland at the big Davos economic uh, conference. Um, Effectively, the Houthis are um, a regular army. Um, They must have uh, about uh, 50,000 fighters. Um, uh, They fought for uh, eight uh, years. They were bombarded on a daily basis um, by uh, Saudi Arabia. 
with U.S. Uh, guidance, uh, it, it didn't work. They are there. They're stronger than ever. In fact, this, this crisis is working to the Houthis' benefit. They were struggling a bit with domestic opinion at, at home because the economic conditions were, were bad. But uh, the Yemeni people are very pro-Palestinian, and they fully support what the Houthis are, are doing. They are not going to be stopped by a sporadic uh, bombing. It is it's only going to make things worse. And I come back to my main point. You have to look at what works. And uh, what the U.S. has done is the opposite of what works. I mean, Joe Biden, there's no crisis he sees that he can't make worse. And what's been happening here is that he's let the Iranians jerk his leash, jerk his leash in the sense that the Iranians were courting U.S. heavy intervention to make uh, the U.S. look bad and for it to disrupt further shipping in the Red Sea. Before the U.S.-U.K. bombing of Yemen, uh, all that was happening was that the Houthis were targeting shipping that was going to Israel or somehow associated with Israel. Well, well, now it's widened. Since the bombing, uh, American ships have been attacked, British ships have been attacked, and virtually the whole of international shipping has stopped going to the Red Sea. Uh, the only ships going there now, it seems, are Russians. So Joe Biden has managed to make the Red Sea safe for the Russians and unsafe for everybody else. I tell you, the mullahs in Tehran are laughing their heads off. So the reason that this was unwise, even if you accept the dubious constitutional power to just start lobbing uh, cruise missiles without any congressional authority to do so, is because the, the stated pers- purpose of this was to, to stop the Houthis from, uh, from restricting commerce in the Red Sea and restrict, restricting shipping in the Red Sea. This has essentially made it so that now, instead of just ships to Israel, being limited and attacked, not only are American and British ships being attacked, but essentially all commerce has stopped in the Red Sea. Exactly, exactly. It it, it widened and deepened uh, the conflict, and um, it it would be, it would stop uh, in a heartbeat if the U.S. just said, cease fire now. That that is all it would take. The the Houthis are only interested in, in Gaza. Uh, my own British government ridiculously claimed that what's going on with the Houthis is nothing to do with Gaza. That is just mendacity that and stupidity. They take people for idiots. No, it's everything to do with Gaza. And it would stop tomorrow if Gaza stopped. You know uh, what I... It, what, it's, what, it's, it, 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 it's rocket science. These are rockets that they're using against ships. You have to apply some rocket science. It could be stopped very, very easily. But the U.S. and the U.K. will do everything except what the situation really requires. You know, what I often uh, hear about whenever there's Arab countries that object to what the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians, not just in the present conflict, but just in general, 
is um, why don't any of these Arab countries welcome the Palestinians into their country if they're so concerned with the plight of the Palestinians? What do you say to that, Ambassador Ford? Countries like Yemen, uh, Qatar, others that are very vocally opposed to what Israel is doing, why don't they say to the, the Palestinians, hey, you're welcome in our country to live safe and securely? Um, oh, so much <laughs> to, to say in response to that. First of all, Yemen is one of the poorest countries on the, on the planet. Uh, they got plenty of refugees of, of their own. Uh, second, it, it surely, surely it's not hard to understand that people want to live in their own country and not be pushed out by a bully. Is, is that hard to grasp? Why should the Palestinians who've already been pushed out of two-thirds of what was their own country, uh, now go and look even further afield. And finally, um, Arab countries already are housing millions of Palestine refugees. Uh, Jordan, where I worked for for eight years, helping refugees. Um, Half the country, half the country is composed of Palestinians or descendants of Palestinian refugees, Syria, huge community, Lebanon, um, the the Arab, uh, heaven knows, I'm not going to defend the uh, the Gulf uh, regimes. Um, They could be doing more in many ways. Uh, But but doing Israel's bidding by emptying Palestinian territories of their people is not one of those things. Ambassador Ford, let me uh, end with a three-part question here. Um, You have referenced Iran. It's been reported that Iran is targeting Pakistan with missile attacks. Why are they doing that? Um, Also, Alan Dershowitz wrote a column yesterday indicating that the U.S. should widen the war that it's waging in the Middle East against Iran. Assuming you think that's a bad idea, what should the U.S. and U.K. posture be towards Iran at the moment? Um, Iran uh, has been, uh, in in the last 24 hours, uh, attacking terrorist groups considered internationally as terrorists uh, who are holed up in Pakistan. Does that sound a bit familiar? Um, Like um, bin Laden? Sure. Uh, There are still people like that. um, And following the, the dreadful terrorist attack in Iran about three weeks ago, over 100 people killed. Um, This was uh, Iran responding by uh, taking out the the group they believed was responsible, who were holed up in the the wilderness of um, eastern Pakistan. That's what's going on there. So it, it kind of ill behoves the U.S., which has done exactly the same thing and much worse. And to criticize Iran for, for that. Um, how should Iran be handled? Uh, well, first thing is, is stop making things worse. <laughs> so stop challenging Iran, which, which uh, uh, only backfires. Like mm. they, they, they've been challenging uh, Iran. Iran has responded uh, by backing the Houthis. You know, this, this is uh, Iran's uh, response to being bullied by the U.S. and uh, other Western 
powers. Uh, they're showing that they, they can respond. You, Iran is a big, important country, 60 million people. You do not mess with Iran. Dershowitz is being irresponsible. You do not mess with Iran. Or if you do, well, you just have to, if you're ready uh, for the consequences, you suck it up. But you don't behave like a spoiled brat and, and say, oh, I'm going to hit you harder because you'll get hit harder back. Hmm. Ambassador Peter Ford, uh, thank you for the time this morning. I hope we can chat again soon. You're welcome, Frank. Anytime. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, we'll get to your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano. You've painted up your lips and rolled and curled your tinted hair. Ruby, are you contemplating going out somewhere? Shadow on the wall tells me the sun is going down. The great Kenny Rogers, uh, three minutes until the top of the hour. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, yesterday, my son uh, took a sick day. From school, which, uh, and my wife did also because she was having a tough time with her migraines and she wanted to take care of him. Uh, when we put him to bed, he still had a little bit of a fever, not a big fever, you know, one, around 101, which for a child is not a lot, but um, he still had that runny nose. So I'm hoping he'll sleep through the night, get a good night's sleep, and be ready to go to school today. We'll see. If not, then um, my wife is not going to take a sick day today, so it will be it will be tough for me sleeping wise. Especially I'm uh, I'm sticking around to get some stuff done here at the radio station afterwards, so uh, to <laughs> get to sleep later and then have to stay up with him, it's going to be a challenge for both of us. So um, I am hoping that uh, my boy is feeling much better and uh, is re- well enough to go to school today. All right. Uh, those of you that are holding, we'll get to you after the top of the hour. And um, a fascinating question that I'm going to pose to you after the top of the hour, which I posed to Freddie Merch the other day, and he couldn't answer. And it has to do, well, tune in to find out. Until next hour, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.